Whiskey for the Ages is not sponsored or endorsed for any product or program mentioned in this show and receive no remuneration from their creators. everybody. Welcome to Whiskey for the Ages. I'm your host, Brian Dawson, and I'm here with my daughters, Hannah and Alora. Hello, Hannah here. Hi, I'm Alora. In this show, we're going to discuss how we go about tasting whiskey. We'll be sharing some of the methods, tips, tricks that we use when we pour for the first time. Okay, so what whiskey are we doing? Well, I have the idea that maybe we pour some Eagle Rare, something that's Hopefully accessible to us, but something that I think everybody wants to try at one point or another at the very least I will say we've, we've got ours already poured here There's no wrong way to taste whiskey. I think that's the first thing that we really have to get straight I know that sounds kind of confusing Especially, you know, the topic of this broadcast is how to taste whiskey, but truthfully, there's really no wrong way to do it Would you guys you, you agree? Yes. Yeah, so we talk a lot about, you'll hear us in all of our reviews, go through what we're tasting. Sometimes it sounds kind of crazy. Most important thing to recognize is that it's very subjective. We have things that we note that come from distillers, Buffalo Trace versus an, a Heaven Hill product. We, we decide that there are distinct things that we can taste there. It's subjective to everybody. So it's really dependent on your taste buds, what you drink, yeah, it's it's subjective. Yep, and basically when we're talking whiskey, uh, let's talk American whiskey, uh, there's, there's three different variables that are most common. Uh, in a mash bill, we all know that bourbon is going to be 51% or more corn, but the second grain is either going to be rye or wheat. Now we know there's some others out there, but rye or wheat are the most prominent ones that are mm -hmm. out there. Um, rye tends to give more of a punchy flavor or a punchy uh, feel to the to the uh, whiskey and wheat tends to be softer. The second variable that's very common is the entry proof. This is how it goes into the barrel after distilling. If it's low barrel entry proof, that's usually around 110. That was traditionally the uh, the way it went in back in the 60s or high at 125 proof. Low proof tends to give a whiskey a subtle flavor or a subtle feel, whereas a high proof obviously is going to be a little more bold. And then the third variable is going to be barrel char. A number three char or a number four char. Now what char just simply means is what is the barrel burned at on the inside. A number three char tends to be faint oak, whereas a number four is going to give more or impart more of a smoky char. Those variables actually make up eight distinct flavors in the whiskey. So what? Yeah, that's right. So I imagine when you read our reviews, we get some pretty different kinds of flavors. Like I, I tend to be a little bit wild with how I, um, with how I smell and taste bourbon. I mean, I've gotten red chili hot candies. I've gotten yeah. these really specific <laughs> things and. I think that's in part because I'm more of a picky eater, so it's kind of like, okay, I'm really, really focusing on what's going on. But other people, you know, they've got different taste buds, they're going to get different things. Um, my dad likes the oak flavors and the nut flavors, my sister likes the fruity ones, I like the sugary and sweet ones, so it's very, very subjective. It's like, what are we choosing to focus on right then right at that moment when we're smelling it and then perhaps we'll change gears perhaps i'll be like well what kinds of wood am i getting what kinds of fruit am i getting so we change gears a lot depending on what 
we're trying to hunt for, what we're trying to taste. It's very, it's almost like a fun game, to be honest. Where all these flavors come from? I think the best and simplest answer is practice. Uh, practice makes perfect. I think that, uh, you know, it's a hard job having to practice tasting whiskey. And I'm going to taste sure. some now. Yeah, <laughs> I've already taken a couple sips myself out of my Eagle Rare, admittedly. But uh, practice is the most important thing. Practice shows you all of the eight distinct flavor profiles like Dad was just mentioning. It shows you all of the proof variety that you can get. It can show you how each distiller will impart their own significant flavor on a whiskey. So it's practice and it's spending time with the bourbons you already know or whiskeys rather that you already know and love and just kind of returning to them and seeing where you can go each time. So basically if there were any rules or how to's as to how you should taste your whiskey it has to start here. You have to be in good company. Now this is really really true because when I first started to drink bourbon I was like okay it didn't really spark anything for me I didn't find that spark but the first time I really understood bourbon was when we had gone on a family vacation in Wisconsin I had just gotten like a, a glass of larceny just you know your easy access yeah bourbon. we reviewed that one on yeah here, or at yeah. least talked about it and I remember going out to the campfire by my family members and just sipping that and I was able to get so much out of it because it was just such a calm atmosphere. We were really able to engage with one another, see what kinds of flavors we were getting, have fun, yeah. have fun. And maybe it's the uh, liquor grease in the wheels maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also you're getting to share. Yeah. You're getting to share the moment. You're getting to share the, the whiskey with the friends. Yeah. And we don't always have to drink the same thing. And many nights we don't. But it is important to be in good company. We say all the time that whiskey, bourbon in particular, is like a pause button on life. Um, that's a quote from somewhere. I'm sure we'll get to that in the future. But um, it is very much a pause button, and it's nice when you get to spend that pause button with people that you like. So let's actually go ahead and really get into the tasting portion of this. I know we've been yammering on about the sentimentalities of all of this. So let's actually get going. Okay, so we have Eagle Rare. Yep. What What is the basic rundown okay. of our Eagle Rare? So in our reviews, if those of you have gone to the website and, and, and read, you'll always see a section about vitals. And maybe it's me being a nerd. That's okay. I enjoy that part about myself. But here are the vitals for Eagle Rare. This would fall under the category of a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. It comes from Kentucky, obviously. Uh, distillery is Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace does not publish their mash bills. However, with a lot of internet research that's out there, it's believed that this is the Buffalo Trace mash bill number one or recipe number one, which means it's a low rye whiskey. Approximately 75% corn, about 10 or maybe a little less than that percent rye, 15% malt barley. The barrel char is a number four, so that is going to uh, probably impart some, some darker, smokier notes to it. Barrel entry proof was 125. That's a, a, you know, as much as you can put in. Uh, the age of this, Eagle Rare is one of the few that still has the age statement written right on the back of their bottle, uh, 10 years old, and 45% uh, ABV or 90 proof. We bought this bottle in the spring of uh, 2023 uh, here in Idaho for $36.95. Score. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll yeah. say. Yeah. So from these vitals, we can kind of make a little bit of a prediction. It is a ride bourbon. It has a number four char, and it had a high barrel entry proof. So therefore, we might expect this to be a little punchy or assertive. It's going to have a little pepper, cinnamon, or other spices. That's uh, going to have some depth, some richness. 
uh, smoky, possibly a little bit bitter. There'll be a pronounced char in it. Uh, the oils and tannins, it'll, make, it'll, it'll feel viscous in your mouth. But there's a lot more to this. Anna, what, how do you like so, your bourbon? We've got a couple of steps laid out here for you, just to kind of run through your basic, here are your options with tasting whiskey. First step is, do you want your whiskey warm or cold? Um, we, pr we tend to like our whiskeys warm. The reason for that, we believe that whiskey is a bit more talkative when it's warm, meaning that the flavors are actually gonna bloom more, they're rich, they're um, very aromatic. Everything is really coming out of your glass when it's warm. Other people do like to have their whiskeys cold. They'll put a little bit of ice in there or it'll be chilled or they'll have some sort of mixer in there that will be cold. This we find tends to shrink it a little bit, shrink the flavors, but you can still find a whole bunch of good stuff in there. You just, it's a bit more challenging and you have to really look for it. Most important thing again to remember, there's no wrong way to do it. We like it warm. We actually keep it stored outside, so during the summertime, it's super warm, super nice. During the winter, I'll actually get out a little heating pad and make a cocoon <laughs> for my whiskey to warm it up and make it all kind of steamy in the glass. But again, there's, there's no wrong way to do it. So that would be step one, deciding warm or cold. And step two is, is it going to be neat? or is it gonna be diluted with water? We tend to like our whiskeys neat. We don't really like to put it on the rocks, again, because we think that we're going to get more flavors when it's neat. If you're planning on adding water, which a lot of people do for higher proof, like maybe mm -hmm. even this one, um, that can kind of mellow out the flavors and it can allow you to focus really on what a specific flavor is that you're going for. Mm -hmm. When it's neat and it's very high proof, at least for me, it can kind of get overwhelming. Like, this is so hot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't focus on anything. I, I can get the sweetness of bourbon, I can get the general taste of bourbon, but I can't focus on anything. So sometimes we'll put like a few drops of water in it and that'll help us just kind of narrowed down what we're looking for. Like maybe it'll produce warmer tones. Maybe it'll produce a level of sweetness. So when we put water in, we typically use distilled water. Distilled water has no minerals to speak of, so it's not going to really affect what's in the bourbon to begin with. Some people will drink whatever kind of water they're typically used to. Maybe it's bottled water. Um, I kind of shy away from tap water because tap water is going to have uh, fluoride or chlorine or, or whatever in it, and that will, in fact, change the flavor of the whiskey. So just kind of keep that in mind. And then the other caveat is you can always add more water, but you can't remove it. So when we use water, we're typically doing an eyedropper at one or two drops It's very at a scientific. Time. Yeah. Like a, like we got the pipette and everything. Yeah, it's like a chemistry set. I think um, another thing to add to with adding water, some people, if you're super lucky and you live um, around any of the distilleries, we're in Idaho, so we don't, uh, we'll use distilled water. But some people around these distilleries will use the same water that the distilleries will use to make their whiskey um, to... Yeah. Dilute oh, that's it. really yeah. cool. Yeah, right? that's really cool. I didn't limestone know. Yeah. water. Limestone I've, water. Yeah, I've seen limestone water uh, advertised on uh, Amazon. However, when I go to look at the sites, for whatever reason, that item is not available. <laughs> Someday we'll get our hands on some. Yeah. Give it a try. Yeah. Uh, so going into the actual tasting, well, not quite yet, we have the nose. This is a really important step for us. It sets us up even more from the vitals to expect something out of the whiskey when we actually taste it. We have a prediction based on the vitals. We use the time nosing the glass would be the proper verb, I'd say, on really narrowing it down further to what we're expecting out of the glass. Nosing can be dangerous sometimes, especially when the proof is super high. So there are tips and tricks on how to do this. 
One, don't breathe too deeply when you nose. You'll singe your nose hairs. You by will doing singe that. your <laughs> nose hairs right off. I personally like to have my tongue pushed up against the roof of my mouth in the back and just doing steady, shallow breaths, just letting it come in naturally. I don't really want to force it in. Um, it will it will burn that way. So you can start kind of simple. Can you smell the grain? Remember, this is a rye bourbon, at least ours is, this Eagle Rare. Are there any fruits? We typically find that a lot of Buffalo Trace products will have some element of fruit, particularly dark fruit. But that doesn't mean that there isn't something citrusy in there as well. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. This is a rye bourbon, so what kind of spices are we getting? Could there be cinnamon? Could there be peppers? Could there be nutmeg? What kind of sweets are there? So these would be your more vanillas or caramels, maybe even chocolate. You get the really earthy notes like nuts. What, what kind of thing could be there? Can you smell the barrel at all? This one is one that I really look for when I'm nosing a glass. I want to know how much oak is in there. How much influence did the barrel have on the bourbon while it was aging? If you can't pick out anything specific, that's okay. Uh, we do have a whiskey wheel on our site. It's on one of the side tabs, either at the side of your screen if you're on a computer or at the bottom of your screen if you're looking at a phone. It's a PDF that has a whole bunch of options on some really, really fancy, fancy thing we taste. And then there are broad topics like fruit, like sugars, that you can start there and branch out. Kind of work your way out to the outside of the mm -hmm. wheel. Start in the center, work so out. So we're drinking Eagle Rare. What do, what do you smell, Laura? Well, I can get the rye element. Like, I make a lot of rye bread. Um... I've recently started making bread this year, and this is really emulating that. I also get a dark fruity flavor, mm. probably like plums, mm. I would say. It's kind of subtle, but I do kind of get that dark fruit element. I'm personally not getting a lot of citrusy notes. As for spices, I get some ginger, I get mm. some cinnamon. Kind of like the pumpkin spice sort of flavors, uh, like yeah. allspice yeah. and yeah, sweets, caramel, caramel, yeah, caramel, a, caramel. Yeah, this is a caramel bomb. Mm -hmm. As for nuts, I don't really get that, but for the barrel, the barrel, I get that smoky flavor. It's really smoky for me. And sometimes when people talk in terms of smoke, don't necessarily think campfire smoke. Think of you've just opened the barbecue grill and you've got the essence of the sweetness of the barbecue sauce or whatever it is that you've got cooking there. There's a smokiness there that's different than smoke from a campfire. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really important to know the subtle differences. You know, Hannah mentioned earlier practice. Well, we practice with food as well. Laura just mentioned she makes rye bread we taste rye because we know what rye tastes like okay i taste smokiness of barbecue because i smoke foods so that that really comes into play as well but it's the same thing with sweets if a person eats a lot of candy bars you know i can tell the difference between a score bar and say a heath bar one is buttery one is more bitter uh, there's some little subtle differences so it's a practice thing for sure yeah Anna, what do you taste? Or rather, what do I smell? Uh, yeah, not, what are you smelling? We're, yep. we're not there yet. Slow well, down. We That's keep tasting <laughs> too. I, I know. It, we're, we're making it difficult it's for ourselves. <laughs> the fruit, you know, I said before, Buffalo Trace tends to have a fruity element by my subjective taste buds. Um, and that is really what I am getting here. Um, I am drinking out of a Glen Cairn tonight. We all have different glasses. This can impact how you nose a whiskey. Uh, something that is tulip shaped like a Glen Cairn will offer you that straight shot of aromatics coming up in a very small opening there versus something open like a tumbler. Laura's drinking out of a tumbler tonight. So everything is blooming up all at once. So it does kind of influence how you nose a whiskey. Again, 
doesn't matter what you're drinking out of, still an exercise to try. Spices, I, I would agree it is kind of pumpkin spice. There's a lot of, I get nutmeg, I get cinnamon. There's a hint of pepper there, uh, which I mm. quite like. I, I suspect that's coming out of the rye. Caramel is there. I also get vanilla. Uh, classic bourbon vanilla. Classic bourbon vanilla. <laughs> yep. yep. Which which you'd know out of practice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. All right, getting on to the fun part now, the taste. So here's our, our cue here. Start small and stay small. Yep, that, that's the basics. Bourbon is meant to be enjoyed it's not meant to be pounded. It's not meant to be shot. It's not meant to be anything but enjoyed. So if we start small, in other words, take a little sip, and, and sometimes it's nothing more than touch it to your lips and get it on your tongue, and, and that's it. Let it, let the sensation hit you. That's what we're waiting for. We want, mm -hmm. we want to feel what's going on. Small least, sips. Yeah, at least for the how to taste whiskey, start small, stay small. If your goal is to pound it for, you know, a fun time, then... Who are we to tell you what to do? <laughs> yeah. You do you. You do you. We're just saying that if your goal is to taste the whiskey, you got to start small, stay small. Mm -hmm. that, because, that's the goal there. Because there are several areas, like, on your tongue, like... The tip of your tongue is going to pick up a lot of the uh, sweetness. Mm -hmm. The lower sides of the tongue are going to pick up the saltiness. The back of the tongue is going to pick up the bitter notes. So there's a lot going on with the taste buds on your tongue. And each of them are going to help you be able to figure out what flavors you are getting. Yeah. Like for a second with this one, I actually detected a bit of a coffee element. But that was on the back of my tongue because coffee is bitter. Yeah. So really let the liquid basically just kind of layer out on your tongue. Yeah. If just... you're really feeling brave, you can do what we call a Kentucky chew. That's basically aggravating the whiskey while it's in your mouth. Uh, think of it kind of like a swishing or at least pushing it around, provoking it. Just getting it to seep in to the entirety of the muscle that is your tongue, it will hurt. Uh, the more that you push, the more aggressive that alcohol gets. However, the more opportunity you give the whiskey to bloom in different ways and you get more out of the flavors. It does take practice, again, doing that. Uh, certainly don't start doing that with something that's 120 proof or something ridiculously high proof it will hurt you won't get anything but pain but starts others yeah. will laugh at you yeah yeah <laughs> we, we've done it we've done it if you go too hard with a kentucky chew or even too big of a sip you get a kentucky hug i'm overly familiar with Kentucky hugs. She'll get one every week. I <laughs> always think that I'm respecting the, 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 the whiskey. The whiskey never seems to respect me back. Uh, a Kentucky hug is essentially you feel that warmth from the whiskey sit down at the top of your chest and radiate outwards in a kind of a burning way it feels like heartburn and it just doesn't go away this isn't a happy hug this is this isn't like that this is i'm going to die but <laughs> it does pass it can burn you... from your esophagus all the way down to the pit of your stomach <laughs> and then just sit there like acid yeah <laughs> yeah and then once it's done you want to do, you almost want to do it again. Do it again. <laughs> do it again. Do it again. <laughs> yeah. So I do try to avoid them though. Yeah. So I keep my Kentucky chews to a minimum to prevent the Kentucky hug. When I'm doing a tasting, like four hour reviews, I'll always do a Kentucky chew just so that I can say I'm going through the full uh, spectrum with a glass and really running it through every test that I can. Uh, but it's not something that I regularly do in my leisure time with a glass. So everybody does things different. When we're doing a review, we're typically sitting together. We're talking about the day's events. 
we're not talking about the whiskey. We're kind of keeping those notes close to the vest. We're keeping them uh, to ourselves. Uh, what I tend to do in my very first sip is I'll put it in my mouth and I'll put it right at the very front of the mouth. So it's in between, I guess, my teeth and, and, and my tongue. And I let it sit there. I let it sit there so long that my, my taste buds, my saliva glands are going overboard. They're, they're kicking out the saliva, trying to figure out what is it I've got in my mouth and why does it taste like this. And the better whiskeys, like what we're drinking tonight, tend to really make the saliva glands work to where it actually becomes oily in my mouth. I love that that sensation to the point where I've had whiskey in my mouth without drinking it for more than a couple of minutes. A lot of times the girls are talking to me and I'm not answering and then they just quit talking because they know. <laughs> He's having a moment. Yep. Yeah, having a moment with my whiskey. Uh, other people don't do that. You know, other people, you know, like Hannah says, she'll she'll do that that Kentucky chew just to get it provoked to just see what else is hiding in the flavors. So everybody's different. Yeah. And again, we do use our wheel. Um, I don't typically use it too much anymore. I've got a lot of the things on it memorized and kind of stored in the memory bank of what I can look for in a whiskey. But just start off from something in the center or something basic. You know, can you taste a fruit? Is there yeah. anything fruity here? Is there anything woody here? Or is there any baking element here? Just start small. And then work outward to see if you can get any more specific. And if you can't do anything more than go, I think it's a dark fruit. Cool. That's what it is. That's a dark it, fruit. That's a dark fruit. Nailed it. So Hannah mentioned baking. So in our wheel, we have in the center portion of the wheel, baking. Okay. So what is baking? Well, baking consists of spices. Or it's bread. Or is the bread pastry? Or is it more pie-like? Is it vanilla? Or is it cake? Or is it chocolate? <laughs> All of these things make up baking elements. Everything you see in Great British Bake Off, basically. <laughs> and then when you go beyond that, the next tier of the wheel breaks it down even further. We break it down into individual spices. Early on, we were tasting nutmeg. We were tasting pepper. We were tasting cinnamon. Those are going to be on the outer side of the wheel. We may not be able to distinguish those immediately, but they come. They come with that practice we've spoken about. Sometimes I can taste cinnamon apple pie. I mean, that's pretty specific. Or Hannah's famous for doing orange cake. I'm thinking, where is orange cake coming from? You know, I'm trying to think where that's yeah. coming from. I don't recall ever using that before. Maybe I have. Or or vanilla custard. Yeah, I use that one a lot. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Another one that's used very popular um, is caramel covered cherries. Yep. Essentially, the ones one. yeah. I use that one a lot, yeah. like the ones that you find on the decadent like decorations, like the ones with the spikes. Yeah. 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 So again, that's that's a practice thing. If you've tasted it before, you know what it tasted. You know what what it, what do you guys say today? If you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of kind of how we go about it. So what are we tasting in this though? So in Eagle Rare. Okay. What do we taste? I get early on we were smelling. I get caramel. That's when I bring it to my 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 taste buds first. I get that caramel, but it's a deep caramel. It's a dark caramel. Yeah. It's almost as if instead of made it out of uh, regular sugar, it's made out of brown sugar. Maybe even brown sugar with a little light molasses in it. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there, it's, it's depth. Um, I also taste uh, toffee. Mm. You know, toffee and caramel, yeah, same family. But think, again, candy bar, that toffee element. There's a little bit of nuts here. Laura said she wasn't tasting nuts. I think I'm tasting a little pecan, a little butteriness. You know, if you think buttery pecans, that, that's where I'm kind of getting. Mm, I can agree, yeah. So when I taste a bourbon, you know, we do the nosing and everything. Well, I'm trying to figure out what kinds of flavors I'm able to get from the nose. And we were talking about like rye bread, 
for always I was. Uh, yes. And I get a lot of ripe bread in this. I get a lot of the, um, a lot of the caraway seeds. I get like that kind of depth. And then, Dad, you ended up saying nuttiness. Well, I can understand that because it's like I'm getting now a, like a browned butter. Mm-hmm. A brown butter that was used to make brown sugar caramel, essentially. Okay. Yep. yep. <laughs> so yeah, getting into the nitty gritty. And this. that element of oak is here too. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm over here and I just cherry, 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 dark cherries. Um, other dark fruits like there, there's there's currants here. There's plums here. Laura mentioned that on the nose. I do get vanilla in this. I also get that caramel that you were talking about. It's a bit bitter. Mm -hmm. A uh, little bit of wood. I, there's, there's a lot of things that were each uniquely tasting. There's a lot of elements that are overlapped. Again, remember, this whole thing, it, we're, we're called whiskey for the ages, not just because we're all different ages, but because there's a whiskey that speaks differently to each of us all of the time. We all have different palates. We're all tasting these different things. That's just how it goes. Yep. So then the next thing we come into is we've smelled it. We've tasted it. Now, how is it finishing? Now, when we talk about finishing, this is what we are experiencing once we've taken the sip. Not when the glass is empty, though. No, 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 no. no. It's not finished. We've just finished a sip. Right now, sitting here, I'm feeling it in my throat. It's a yeah. nice warmness. Yeah. It's not hot by any means. I'm feeling it kind of down my throat a little bit. I'm still tasting the caramel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I'm still feeling the effects of the wood. The spices are really not so much. But that's what we talk about when we talk in terms of finish. I, my last sip was more than a minute ago. I would consider this a fairly long finish. Yeah. I would agree, uh, yeah. yes. Yeah. So... If the flavors that we smelled and the flavors that we tasted are here in the finish, we would consider this to be a balanced bourbon. Yeah. And Eagle Rare is very much a balanced bourbon. Yeah. We've all had it. We've all had it often. It's yeah. a regular in our in our bunker. We have it on the shelf. I will say that we did open this one tonight, but it's it's nice to have another bottle of Eagle yeah. Rare open again. Yeah. We, this is a staple in our bunker. We love this one. We do easily put it in that great value category, $36.95 for, for this guy. We just, we're absolutely in love with it. It's a little darling up there in the, in the bunker. And whenever we have the opportunity to grab one, we, we often do. Yep. Yep. And I would also say this. I know that a lot of the world has a, a lot of t a hard time finding Eagle Rare. And that's sad, uh, but it is something that, that we're aware of. This is a $36.95 bourbon. Okay, It is not a $100 bourbon. I know some people have paid $100 for a bottle of Eagle Rare. I'm sorry for that. If you're comparing all of your bourbons at $100, this is not going to be comparable to that. It is a stellar 35 to 45 dollar bourbon i'd put the value a little higher myself but again that that's that's that subjectivity coming yep. in but i do agree that when you buy a bourbon and this is perhaps veering off the topic a little bit but when you buy a bourbon for whatever price point you're paying for it it's natural to impart that price onto what you expect out of the bourbon and a lot of the time it's just not gonna reflect that price you pay if you're having to go a little bit over the top with it I always like to look at just the MSRP when I'm doing a value regardless of that if that's what I paid for it or not I want to know what the MSRP is and does it meet the standard of what that MSRP is this one of course it does yeah way over the it's fantastic for the price that it is yep so bottom line whatever flavors you're tasting whatever you're smelling whatever it finishes those are your flavors that's you're correct what, you're correct absolutely 100 percent goes to you 
Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Gold star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So whatever we taste, big deal. Yeah. You know, I've had people tell me that, uh, boy, I don't know what you're thinking. My flavors or my taste buds are more like Hannah than they are like you. And that's fine. You know, I, I, I'm perfectly fine with that because I don't have Hannah's taste buds. I certainly don't have Alora's. Hers are better than mine. Hers are the best out of the three of us, yep. I think. That's because I'm a picky eater. <laughs> probably, probably. Yep. But there's a lot of things going on here. Our wheel is huge. If you, any of you do actually check it out, don't yep. feel overwhelmed. That, don't feel overwhelmed. I know there's a lot of stuff on there. I know it's a lot of words. It's okay. Just start with the center. And if that's where you got to stay, that's where you got to stay. And sometimes you don't even have to start with the wheel. No. Like, you can just smell it and be like, wow, that's sweet. Yeah. Or, wow, that's nutty. Maybe, and then just maybe, delve yeah. into that. Maybe cause... the first thing you got to ask is, does the palate, the taste, match whatever you get out of the nose? Sometimes, for me, they're the same. Sometimes, they're not. Maybe start there and see where you go. There's a lot of different ways to start this whole journey. The biggest thing really is practice and going through the natural motions of start small, stay small, uh, little inhales, don't burn your nose, etc., etc., and think about the finish. Yeah. One thing also that you can do is say if you're not, well, I'm going to use me as an example. I'm not too fluent and what dark fruits really are. I've always been a kind of picky eater and that's something that I just never really quite delved into. Grab a plum. Just go grab a plum mm -hmm. or go grab whatever from the dark fruit section in your grocery store and just eat it. Yeah. And then if you want to, have that bourbon with you and see if you can compare it. Yeah, that's a because great tip. Because honestly, I mean, I can say like, oh, I get this kind of plum flavor. Well, maybe I really don't. And I'm kind of just making things up <laughs> as I go along. It's a fun journey. Make it fun. Make yeah. it an adventure to yeah. find out what kind of bourbon it is. Yep. So that's our, our way we taste bourbon. So how do you taste your whiskey? You know, we'd sure love to hear from you. Leave comments where you can. You can go to our website. You can leave comments here on the podcast. We're curious. Let us know. Let us know what you do when you taste. Maybe there'll be something in, in your arsenal of tips and tricks that we can implement in ours. I'm always curious to learn more. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, now I'm just going to turn to my delicious Eagle Rare. <laughs> I, hear, I hear that we have a little bit of news yep, to cover. Yep, just so like let's, last episode, yeah. we kind of opened it up. I've got a couple of news stories. One's just a tiny bit long, but we want to kind of uh, go through it because it is an important news story. The first one's a little bit fun. Um, it is official. Buffalo T Trace Distillery has commissioned a new still, and they are doubling their whiskey and bourbon capacity. You know, that typically oh. means that uh, we could be looking at uh, many, many, many more barrels. As of right now, Buffalo Trace makes about 200,000 barrels of bourbon a year. That just got doubled with this new still. So oh, maybe, I'm so, so th th that, this is great for the Eagle Rare review then, or yep. the Eagle Rare uh, usage here in this episode, because maybe yep. that means that Eagle Rare will be available for yep. all of us regularly soon. So we're going to give you a little so. timeline here. Back in 2013, Buffalo Trace recognized they had a problem. They couldn't keep up with the demand back then, and that was even before it got booming. So they started working on a long 10-year-plus plan, and they invested $1.2 billion back in 2013. In 2016, they announced the initial investment of another $200 million to expand production even further. Um, they set that to be a seven-year plan. That still coincides to 16, seven years. Now we're at 2023. In mid-2018, they decided they were going to go into specifics. They acquired more land. They expanded their production facilities, which included their milling facilities, their fermenting, their cooling, their distilling, the water purification plant, the cooking. 
distillers spent grain. In fact, they were one of the first uh, distilleries to start taking that grain and giving it back to the farmers in the area. They were using the spent grains to feed cattle. Oh, that's cool. So they're processing, they're warehousing, everything has expanded. And now 2023, they had their ribbon cutting ceremony. To read more on this particular article, you can go to our website. We have links to the article. Uh, feel free to check it out. It's a pretty good read. The second story, this one stick with me on it, Sazerac. Sazerac is the parent company of many bourbons, uh, Buffalo Trace being one of them, Weller. Uh, it's a big name worldwide, yeah, Sazerac is. Yep, yep. So back in the end of December... Uh, Sazerac started blaming their longtime distributor of causing store shortages and accused them of not paying their bills. So this distributor is Republic National Distributing Company. I'm going to refer to them as RNDC and Sazerac. I'm just going to say Sazerac. So they claimed this year that on February 1st, uh, they've terminated their contracts with RNDC in 30 states. They believe that RNDC owes them $38 million. Um, Republic is a family-owned distribution powerhouse. They operate in 38 states. They are the second largest wine and spirits distributor in the country. Huh. As of 2021, Sazerac is the second largest spirits supplier by volume in the U.S. Sazerac claims that in early January, RNDC refused to pay for Sazerac products that they had in their hands. They claim that RNDC has sold product, made profit, while refusing to pay for this said product. They say that their performance has gotten worse in recent years. They've gone so far as to say that RNDC has told their retailers, you can't have any Pappy Van Winkle unless you buy other product from us. So they're tying, making ties to it. Huh. They have really put it out there that, that this company has, has caused a lot of problems. They've also gone so far as to say they've created out-of-stock issues by canceling purchase orders and refusing deliveries and temporary locking Sazerac out of their company's order and inventory reporting system. Whoa. So Jeez, okay. when the suit got filed, RNDC said nothing until about two weeks ago. They have filed countersuit. They claim Sazerac is trying to break the three-tier system of the way alcohol is sent out to the to the world's population. So what's a three-tier system? Well, that's in, that's important. So that three-tiered system got started just after prohibition ended. The three-tiered system by US law means manufacturers provide distilled spirits to wholesalers. Manufacturers cannot be wholesalers. Mm. Wholesalers distribute products to retailers. Wholesalers cannot sell to the public. Retailers sell to consumers. So wholesalers can sell to state entities, retail outlets, bars, and things like that. Retailers cannot go directly to the manufacturer to get this. Interesting. So this is to create separation in all of the movement of all of it. Correct. And keep okay. things independent, essentially. Branches. Yes. Branches. Yeah. This was done to provide safe alcohol product and, and process to the consumers. But more importantly, it ensures the way the federal government and state governments can collect taxes. Because huh. each entity is responsible for their own taxation. Ah, okay. 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 So if I had the ability to go directly to the manufacturer to buy, then they would have a difficult way of tracking how uh, a person pays the taxes. So if we as consumers go on a bourbon tour 
to, let's say, Buffalo Trace, and we buy our bottle of Buffalo Trace or Eagle Rare or whatever, what had to happen was Buffalo Trace went to the wholesaler and bought their own product back to put on their shelves. Ooh. So that we could buy it as consumers. Okay. They did not have the right to sell it. So. Okay. Okay. It, it's it. it's a deep deep thing we're dealing with. Republic has accused Sazerac of bypassing the distributorships. So skipping the whole, the wholesalers essentially yes. is what you're saying. Yes. We're going from manufacturer to consumer. That's what RNDC is Correct. trying to oh. trying to stipulate. Okay. So this relationship between RNDC and Sazerac has been thriving for decades. And RNDC claims that Sazerac has been doing, that had been trying to void this for the past two years. They're rejecting Sazerac's claims. In fact, they're actually asserting Sazerac owes them tens of millions of dollars. Because they've been cutting them out of exactly. the out of the deal that's their stipulation okay okay so to make it even more interesting according to the filing and the countersuit they've done and incidentally both of these suits are in federal court they're not in state court they're, they've been filed in federal court so they passed the first initial yep yep oh geez so this is you know there's some dirty laundry that's going to get out there um Sazerac, according to RNDC, has taken methods to take over the sales and marketing functions, so much so that they've hired their own marketing execs. They also have been told by Sazerac that they're only entitled to a, a mere $8.50 per case, regardless of how many cases there are. Whoa. And it's totally against the three tiered systems rules that the manufacturer has any right to set pricing. So they're alleging that Sazerac is setting pricing. Furthermore, they're alleging that Sazerac is circumventing state laws. On top of that, from September to December last year, Sazerac sent a half a billion dollars in inventory to RNDC, essentially dumping it on them. On a personal note, I'd like to know where all that merchandise is. <laughs> I would too. Because it it's certainly not, is not, bunker. <laughs> it's not in our stores. Um, then, according to RNDC, Sazerac has interfered with RNDC to try to offload these products because they've said that you're not our distributor anymore, so you don't have right to get rid of it. So they're sitting on product in their warehouses. So much so that they've told the replacement distributors that Sazerac has gone out and secured, you can't buy from RNDC. So okay. this is just this is just ugly. That's a mess. Yep. <laughs> so there's a couple links on the website about these two stories, these two uh, lawsuits. So I think those are important to uh, talk about. And go to the website, read more. And we got a couple releases that are come out here, and then we'll be done with the news. Uh, Maker's Mark, they have unveiled their last masterpiece in their wood finishing series. We talked about barrel entry proof a little bit earlier. They're now going to be experimenting with barrel entry proof. So back in 2019, we had the uh, RC6, and then 2020, there was the SE4 PR5 Which stage. Which was fantastic, yeah. I recall. That one was yeah. wonderful. I love that bourbon. We had the FAE uh, fatty acids and esters 01 and the fatty acids and esters 02. 02 was fantastic. Yeah, that came All out in 2021. And then 2022, we had the RBT1 and the RBT2. And we, we actually have the RB2 <laughs> reviewed and the RBT1 has not been reviewed, but that's coming. Yeah, I think that'll probably be what'll go up Soon. next week. Probably the O2 and maybe even the O1. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. So that's coming. And then uh, uh, we'll, we've got one final story also about Maker's Mark. And please take this with a little tongue-in-cheek. Keep in mind that it is April. 
Maker's Mark announced a rye bourbon, their first oh. new rye mash bill ever. Oh, okay. I'm excited. I'm so, excited. Oh, <laughs> Maker's Mark Distillery, famous for their red winter wheat, um, has announced for the first time in more than six decades, they've released a whiskey made from rye. <clears throat> According to Bill Samuels, patriarch of the brand, all these years we've been focused on wheat. The whole time, there's been a whole other grain out there. <laughs> so, so when did what? When did they announce this? Well, of course, it was April Fool's Day. <laughs> Darn it! Well, yep. you know, Dang it. one yep. can hope. One can hope. Yep. So this that's one. That's a great way to end it. Yep. Yeah, it, that's a good way to send off. Yep. So uh, April Fool's, everybody. <laughs> there's no <laughs> Maker's Mark Rye. We can only dream, right? We can <laughs> only dream. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you uh, learned a little something, had a couple laughs, had a pour, all that good stuff. Do remember that we will be having a poll coming up shortly regarding our end of season uh, You Pick bourbon. We've got all of those ones that we mentioned last time that were up for options. I am pulling out all of our good stuff now. Um, Remember, those options are a Larceny Barrel Proof. Last time we did say it was a C922. Come to find out, we have an A123 in our bunker hiding. So, uh, so scratch the C922, replace it with the A123, please and thank you. So that is one of our options. Michter's American Whiskey, Colonel Taylor number 10, bat Barrel Proof, Barrel Proof, hello, hello, and then a Rossville Union Barrel Proof Rye. And we may have one or two other surprises that we'll throw in that, we'll frankly, see. we'll We might see. have forgotten about this yeah. in the bunker. But definitely look for those guys on a poll. We will let you guys know when that poll goes live. It will be available on our social media, and then, of course, on the website itself, we'll find a way to make that work, crossing fingers and all of that yeah. good stuff. Uh, and yes, please let us know what you, how you taste whiskey. Have you had Eagle Rare before? What do you taste out of it? What do you get out of the nose? What do you think of the finish? What tips and tricks do you have to teach us? I'm ready to learn. We're all ready to learn. And uh, most importantly, have a great, great day, a great pour, and good company. And once again, thank you for listening in. And as we end in all episodes, cheers. Thanks right. again, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you.